Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam. Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav etivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah v'harevna Adonai Eloheinu et divrei Torateka. Befinu ufi amka b'tisrael v'niye anaknu v'zaetza einu v'zaetza e amka b'tisrael kulanu yodea shemeka v'lom de Torateka lishma. Baruch atah Adonai hamlamet Torah le'amo Yisrael. Let the resurrection begin. HaKadosh Baruch may you send Mashiach Yeshua soon in our lifetime, in our days, and reveal the final redemption with the building of the Beit HaMikdash and the gathering in of all the exiles, the gathering in of the fullness of the Gentiles into your kingdom by converting them, making them Jews, bringing about global redemption. HaKadosh Baruch and the merit of Mashiach Yeshua. Amen. Baruch Abba I. I'm fired up. Pun intended because it's Parsha Yitro, which rhymes with Nitro. And I, for some reason, I want this to be like dynamite. Because when I read, when I think about Parsha Yitro and all the things that happen in this Torah portion, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like dynamite. This is explosive. This is like, what in the world? Anyway, so Yitro C-Class. Chavengers assemble. All right, this is uh, the Basor passage of this Torah portion is from Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, 16 through 26. All right, 10 verses. Let's see if we can do it. Now behold, one came to him and said, Rabbi, what good news or what good shall I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Yeshua said to him, there is only one who is good. But if you want to enter into life, keep the mitzvot. Which ones? He said, Yeshua said, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so six orders of the Mishnah. Okay, I get it. Six commandments. Just do these six. Just be a be a less than a Noahide. Noahides have seven, but I'll give you six. Just do it. No, that's not what he's saying. <laughs> Because when you say which commandment, it's like saying, well, all of them, because all the commandments are called one commandment. That's why in Deuteronomy, it says in the Hebrew, kol ha mitzvah, all of the commandment in reference to the entire Torah. I almost made it without stopping, but I just couldn't help myself. Obviously, you know, I couldn't. So I did. All right. So it says all these I've kept. The young man said to him, what do I still lack? Here's the thing. If this person is coming to Mashiach, and he is, asking for eternal life, Mashiach says, all you need to do is keep the commandments. If that's your eternal life that you're seeking. But the guy's like, well, what do I lack? Because I'm keeping those. I.e., I don't have eternal life, Mashiach. I'm keeping your word. It's like, oh, okay, so you're one of those people. Now, Yeshua didn't say this. This is a Shomer Man Midrash. Reading into this, that the guy is like, the commandments, which are eternal life in us, that's why we say, Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet, Olam who has given us the Torah of truth and implanted eternal life within us. We talk about that all the time in our brachas. But it's just kind of like, okay, so if you have the commandments, you have eternal life, why why are you asking what, what do I lack? Like, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say, like, eternal life is not good enough? Or, like, are you saying, like, I'm really seeking something else because, like, I know you're the it man and all. Like, you're, you're it because I called you good and I called you rabbi. Like, I think you're a Pharisee. I think you're a Kabbalist. I think you're one who is way beyond the letter of the law and like all about the spirit of the law. So the fact that you answered me and told me I need to uphold the letter of the law, I'm pretty sure there's something else here. 
It's like, well, actually, if you listen to what I told you, I told you to go beyond the letter of the law, because if you notice, love your neighbors, you love yourself. That's not one of the Ten Commandments. But anyway, Judaism teaches that love your neighbors, you love yourself is actually the way that you uphold the Shema, which is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your resources. But anyway, what do I still lack? Yeshua said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell what you own, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in Shemaim. Then come follow me. Go sell your stuff. Go give to the poor from those proceeds because that's your second tithe. By the way, did you know that the second tithe was supposed to give to the poor, the widows, and the orphans? Because those are the those are called Hashem's household. We give to those people in the third and the sixth year of the seven year cycles. Um, on the other years, we are supposed to set aside the second tithe and actually, uh, spend those on Yom Tov upon strong drink and all sorts of beverages to help us celebrate the Yom Tov. So the second tithe is actually you paying yourself to celebrate the holidays or during the third and sixth year of the sabbatical cycles, uh, you give to those who are poor and those who are widows and those who are orphans. But anyway, I digress says and you will have your treasure in heaven so you go do all that you're gonna have treasure in heaven you're gonna be set you're hooked up 401k whatever 401 alum haba get you some of that and then it says then come follow me so after you store up your treasure in heaven spend the rest of your time following me which by the way is going to give you more treasure in heaven because as you're following him he's just going to keep rewarding you as I brought down something that was shared to me from the Incredible Talmud, a.k.a. Professor Talmud, he said, Hashem blesses each step we take with him. He doesn't just bless the destination. So by the time we get to the destination, we're already blessed because he blessed us every step of the way towards the destination. So that's why we got to be faithful in our steps, faithful in the miles that we're traveling. So anyway... So come follow me after you do all that. So when you really look at this, in order for us to truly say we're following Mashiach, we have given ourselves away. We have done exactly what we did when we left Egypt. We left our house. We left our family and our friends for the sake of following Hashem. The beautiful thing about that is because of what we gave up, we won't lack anything. I wrote down this, this statement that I was just like, what in the world? Where did I put it here? Uh, it's the beginning of my notes. It says this. When you leave all you have, you have access to all he is. I.e., you don't lack anything. When you leave all you have. So if we hearken to Mashiach's words and do the same thing, now, this isn't like for us right now, because obviously in order for us to follow Mashiach, he's not here yet for us to follow him. But we can be faithful to what he has commanded us. And that's go make converts, gathering divine sparks and all that. But when he returns, yeah, it's time to go. So leave your house, leave where you live, just like Abraham did. Leave, take your stuff and go. So you hear the you hear the shofar blast. Clouds of glory show up. Temple starts getting rebuilt. Exiles start getting gathered in. Okay, let's go. Pick it up. Let's go. You know, and Hashem is going to have give you access to all that he is. So you need water. He got it. You need food. We got it. You know, you need travel means. We got it. The cloud transported us. It carried all of our stuff. You know, water ran underneath us. So like we were walking on water the whole time which is kind of crazy when we complained that there wasn't any water. It's there wasn't any water because we never asked. So that's an interesting point. We have not because we asked not. But anyway, Legends of the Jews brings that down, that there was um, springs of water that were underneath us as we were traveling in the wilderness. So literally, if you just tapped into the cloud, you could start drinking right there, like a fresh spring water be at your uh, access right there. So anyway, 
Imagine that, right? It's just like you're walking and all of a sudden, I'm thirsty, man. Can I have a drink? All of a sudden, fresh, fresh spring water just right there for you to drink. It's just like, wow, this is incredible. Anyway, that's the kind of access we have to Hashem. But we have to get ourselves there because living in exile has shut us down to the awesomeness and glory of God that we are supposed to be walking in. So this is why us being obedient in Torah day by day, which is Yom Yom, which is brought down in the Midrash Rabbah, that that means Torah. But anyway, as we faithfully partake of the daily bread of Torah every day, we can take off those chains. Our chains can be gone and we can be set free. As one uh, singer said, our chains are gone. We've been set free. But it's a process that we have to allow ourselves to be entered into. Okay, back to the Basura passage. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he had much property. He's like, I got so much stuff to sell. Oh, my gosh. Like, I don't. Oh, Mashiach, I thought you were just such a cool guy. I thought you were like, do whatever you want. Just get redeemed and believe and live by the blood alone. And Mashiach alone, my hope is found here by the grace of God. You know, my mighty fortress is my God. And uh, I'm a friend of God. And why I got to sell my stuff, God? I, I just, you know, I thought this was easy, convenient to get out of Gehenna for free stuff. Like, what do you mean sell my stuff? What's wrong with you, man? Anyway, those are some of the things that he probably talked about. Again, Shomer Man Midrash. Okay, it says, He went away grieving, for he had much property. Then Yeshua said to his Talmudim, Amen. I tell you it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of Shemaim. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Uh, if you've listened to the Super Time podcast series on Anchor, which I encourage you to do so, they have a whole drop on Aramaic and uh, how that uh, was before the Greek and all that kind of stuff, because many people think the Gospels and the letters of the Talmudim and the Apostles were written in Greek. And it's like, actually, no. So... But a part of that podcast series, they bring down this passage, actually, that it's not necessarily a camel like what we would think, but it's not, it's a, uh, it is like a rope, the word rope. So like, it's hard to put a rope through a needle, which if you think about the eye of a needle, I mean, you can get a pretty big eye, but think about how big a rope is like Indiana Jones rope, like, you know, all up in the grill, like swinging lasso and everything like that type of rope. Like try to put that through a needle. It's like it's practically impossible, but it actually is possible because somewhere in Jewish literature, I read this. It's got to be like a Musar book. It says, if you will open to me the width of an eye of a needle, then I can I can enter in through that small space and expand that and like do all sorts of amazing stuff. Oh, because I'm Shomer Man and crazy. I'm going to see if I can do this. Uh, if you open to me. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Wow. Hashem, are you serious? Two sources, but I'm going to go with pre Haaretz Ekev 2. Says, and those of blessed memory taught two such openings. As said, open for me as an eye of a needle, which is fear of heaven. Okay. So the eye of a needle, according to the source, is the fear of heaven. So if you open for me just a little bit of the fear of heaven, i.e. faith of a mustard seed, a point in relation to love and without the fear there, 
going on? What does the rest of it say? Okay, that's it. That's all they drop on that. Uh, say there's a blessed memory nickname fear of heaven with the name external keys and it is the gate to God. The righteous shall enter and those of blessed memory taught to such openings as said open for me as an eye of a needle, which is fear of heaven, a point of relation to love and without the fear there. Depths of Yonah 3 6. Some students, though, defended Rabbi Yochanan, arguing that Hashem was willing to accept a beginning of Teshuvah. Indeed, Chazal teach that Hashem pr- proposes open for me an opening as narrow as the eye of a needle, and I will open for you the gates as wide as the entrances of palaces. Shir Hashirim 5 2. That's the source. So, Depths of Yonah 3 6 brings that down. From Shir Hashirim Rabbah 5.2. Open for me as narrow as the needle, the eye of a needle. All you need is that. If you have just a little bit of fear of heaven, faith of a mustard seed, I will open for you gates as wide as entrances of palaces. So when Mashiach is saying that it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle... Okay, so a rope, take a rope and put it through the eye of a needle. It's easier to pass a rope into the fear of heaven, which is an inanimate object, by the way. And again, I'm going from the Aramaic drop from Supertime, which is Superman and Superwoman. Ish ma'aleh and Isha ma'aleh. You know, shouts out to y'all, amazing people, the weavers. Okay, so, but. I mean, you got this inanimate object that's going to be able to pass through. But a rich man, he's like basically saying he's worse than an uh, inanimate object. Like he just ain't getting through. There's no fear of heaven. Is this why Mashiach said either you're going to serve Hashem and hate your other master? Like no man can have two masters, can't serve God and money kind of thing. Is this why he's saying that? You know, because if you serve money, you take all your riches and all your stuff and put that above Hashem and you're not willing to let it go, you're not going to be able to enter into the kingdom because you have a kingdom. You can't take your kingdom into Hashem's kingdom. You have to enter into Hashem's kingdom and his kingdom becomes your kingdom. But if you have your kingdom and you try to bring that into Hashem's kingdom, that didn't work out for Hasatan. So why shall it work out for us? I mean, you got to think about this. The one who really said, I shall be like the most high. I mean, I'll establish my kingdom in the kingdom of Hashem. That's really what he was saying. And it's like, and how well did that work out? It didn't. So same thing for us. And side note, even the word camel, which is Gamal in Hebrew, the camel, like the one who bears these heavy burdens, who can go long times without water, they trek through desert. Uh, it's easier for them to get into the kingdom. These people, I mean, think about that concept, that metaphor. What's that a metaphor of? You go through life, you're burdened, you're weighed down, but yet you hold on to the water of the Torah of Hashem. It's going to be way easier for a person like that to enter into the kingdom than it's going to be for a rich person. I got it all. I don't need anything. Yeah, 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 I guess I could bless Hashem, but why bless Hashem or why ask Hashem when I already got it over here? Or I can go get it myself. It's not saying that we shouldn't be rich. Because Hashem knows, man, if I had more money, I would buy more books and I would buy books. I would buy a full library for everybody. Trust me on that. I mean, maybe I don't know myself as great as I think I know myself, but I would like to think. Especially, as I always like to say, I am not the leader, but I'd like to make everybody look cool. That's my role. Like, so I would love to hook everybody up with a full library. I'd give you a Humash, a Sidur, a Tanakh, and then I'd give you a full set of Rashi, full set of Bahaturim, Kehurt Humash, the Midrash says, and then follow that up with the Midrash Shabbat. 
And then after that, I would give you the Rabbi Nachman commentary on the Torah. Then after that, I would give you Ramban. And then after that, I haven't even got to Zohar yet. Because we don't need to go straight there. Get all this other stuff down first. But I digress. I give you all of the Tehillim commentary. I give you all of the Proverbs commentary. And I give you all of the Prophets commentary. Because man... Hashem knows right now I really want commentary on Zechariah. And I went through Hanukkah, was like, no, I don't need Zechariah commentary. Now after Hanukkah, I'm like, man, I wish I had Zechariah commentary. But I got a Magzareem. Oh, my goodness. How could I miss that? So along with the Sidur that I want to buy everybody, I want to get everybody a Magzareem set. So that way you have the, the Sidur that we use for the Festival of Pesach, the Sidur that we use for the Festival of Shabbat, the Sidur that we use for the Festival of Rosh Hashanah, the Sidur we use for... Yom Kippur, the, the Siddur that we use for Sukkot, all these extra blessings that are not in normal weekday or normal Shabbat Siddurs. Because when you really think about it, there's a weekday Siddur, there's a Shabbat Siddur, there's a festival Siddur called the Magzor. So, I mean, that's that's different sets of books, you know. And so anyway, we can be rich and do stuff like that, you know, give to Shul, give to the Mikvah project, you know, like even after the Mikvah is complete, we still need to give because giving never ends, you know, Zadaka never ends. Anyway, so just a few things to think about on that verse about how hard is it for a rich man entering the kingdom. All right, next verse. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. Next verse. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly astonished. Now, why would they be astonished? You have to think about this. These people are gleaning from the Torah itself, like the living Torah is walking and speaking to you. He just said something and you're just shocked. So could could he have just dropped... An insight from the Torah of Mashiach, the new Torah, the deeper insights, the hidden secrets of Torah. Did he just drop one of those? Because that's the only way you'd be astonished. Jewish literature already told us that if we open for Hashem, the eye of a needle, then he'll make openings for us, the width of palaces. So like that's already understood. So why is this something that's ridiculous? Because now their response is, then who can be saved? Who can enter into the kingdom of God? Who can enter into covenant? Who can truly be born again is what they're saying. Because that's what being saved is, entering into covenant, being born again. Yeshua looking at them, said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And that is like the takeaway for the ages right there. We have to get beyond our own constraints. We have to get beyond our own psyche. We have to get beyond our own neshama. Do you realize the level of soul called your neshama is only level three? There are two more levels above that. Chaya and Yehida. You know, and so... Bezra Hashem, we get to the level of neshama, which only happens through refining our character daily in the Torah and mitzvot and prayer and lots of kavanah and focus and things like that. But go beyond that to like highest level where, where the all things are possible with Hashem. That's where we got to get to. Understanding the redemption can happen in our time understanding that there are Jews who are waiting to be converted out among the nations. There are people who don't even know about Torah that if you told them about it and gave them the opportunity to enter into it, but they like candles quicker than you can drink a cup of, of Kiddush. And I'm talking about like the shot, the Kiddush shot cup, like the small version where you just a little splash of juice in there, a little splash of wine in there. Faster than you can drink that, this person would convert and already be like, where's Shabbat at? And you're like, what? You know, that kind of stuff. So we got to get ourselves open to these kinds of things. And we got to help other people understand redemption in our time. Today, hear his voice. Let's be obedient. 
What did Mashiach command us to do before the man ascended? No one's even hearkening to that. I mean, Lapid is and other pockets of people are doing it. But on a grand scale, uh, people are camped out on Sunday mornings and kicking back with coffee and scones, going to bookstores, you know, at in the actual church, selling in church, you know, like let's let's go to service which we call a Shabbat service, but you know, the Shabbat's Sunday now, so Shabbat isn't really Shabbat, so therefore we can spend money on this day, and we can do all kinds of commerce, we can buy, sell, and trade, and all that kind of stuff, we can handle money on the Shabbat, because it's no longer on Saturday, it's now on Sunday, it's like all these different things happen, and now it's just kind of like, okay, so how come no one's entering into the kingdom, no one's entering into the covenant? The grace message is killing more people than terrorist activity. It's killing more people than the Holocaust. It's killing more people than the Inquisitions. It's killing more people than the Crusades. The grace message. The all you need to do is profess and believe in JC and now live how you want to live. Obviously, be a good person. Don't kill anybody. You can be homosexual. You can eat pork. You can celebrate whatever holiday you want to celebrate. You can eat what you want to eat. Don't even worry about living for God. Like he told us to in the Bible, that's the old stuff. This is, there's a new way we do it now. Don't be a part of Israel. Don't be a Jew. You'll be a Christian. You're fine. You're taking on the name of Messiah for that fact. For that fact, that's why they call him Christ. But little do they know, the people who are teaching this stuff, that they're killing people. They're they're spiritually raping people in public. I mean. That's just, whoa, disturbing on so many levels. This is why the C-Class podcast is what it is. We, Avengers, we have to fight. Starts with us. Starts with us informing people. Starts with us sharing this information. It starts with us embodying this information. It starts with us reaching out and caring for people, saying hello to people, opening doors for people, you know, whatever kind of good deed you can do for somebody. Just be there for somebody, you know? If someone needs to talk, let them talk. Active listening. This is an opportunity for active listening. People are more prone to listen to you and and to invest in things that you have if they know you care about them. That's another thing the grace message lacks is care for others. You may think, oh, churches have millions of people, but they don't really care about them. Let those people not come to church for a few weeks or, or change and go to a different church. Nobody's going to go chase them down. Where you at? Where you been? I'm concerned about you. Didn't notice you were at, you know, church yesterday. They don't do that. And furthermore, Shalom, this happens. You have a loved one pass away and you were subscribed to their little newsletters or whatever, they continue to send newsletters in the name of the person who passed away to your residence. And you're just holding up your hands like, excuse me, what? You know this person passed away, but yet you're going to continue to send copious amounts of literature from your ministry to my home, bringing up the fact that I just lost this person and then you're still sending it in their name, not paying any respect to the fact that they've passed and you put on their funeral service. So you know that they are no longer alive. You see, this is the kind of stuff that exists in the world today. And it's like, Oh, the church. Oh, it's just, Oh, it's so much truth. Oh God, your spirit is here. We love you. You accept us as we are. It's like, and really, and this is the kind of fruit. Is this the kind of fruit we want to sit around and eat? Is this the kind of fruit we want to let people sit around and eat? I don't know about you, but that makes me fired up. So let me get to my notes. I'm just going to read straight down and we'll see what happens. I got 30 minutes. Let's see what we can do. When you leave all you have, you have access to all he is. That's something that I was just kind of thinking about and meditating on as I thought about what Mashiach told the rich young man. 
And the rich young man I want to compare to Yitro. Because Yitro was a rich young man. He had it all. He was an advisor to Pharaoh. When uh, Pharaoh was trying to figure out what to do with the Jews because they were multiplying like crazy. And he was just like, they're going to take over. They're going to shut us down. They're going to destroy our, our kingdom. They're going to join with other nations and, and war against us. And it's like, well, no, they're not. Because the Jews are supposed to grow as a mighty nation and come out of exile, go get the Torah and go live in Israel. They're not even concerned about wiping out anybody. They're only concerned about getting back to their land. However, um, that's not what they were really doing. So now they opened up this door to say, hey, I think they have ulterior motives because they're not doing what they know they should be doing. Because why the land took a hold of us is what the text tells us. We should have went back to Jerusalem a long time ago, but we didn't because we were like, oh, man, Goshen's legit. Egypt has the works. It's amazing down here. Have you seen these sorcerers? Psh, ridiculous. So anyway, Yitro was one of Pharaoh's advisors, along with Balaam, the donkey prophet, the one who had his donkey speak to him and say some not nice things. And he got upset with his donkey. The donkey was like, you brought this on yourself, homeboy. I don't know why you upset with me for. You didn't run into my hoof. I mean, I didn't hit you with my hoof. You ran into my hoof kind of thing. So you you tried to hoof it. Anyway, I hoof and I puff and I blow your house down. That's donkey talk. It was all like Donkey Kong. I mean, I'm just saying. Anyway, Balaam. The other person was Job. Job didn't say anything. He was just like, I plead the fifth, your honor. Um, And Yitro was like, yeah, probably shouldn't do anything to these people. I mean, the, these are God's people. I'm out. And then Pharaoh was like, well, fine, you're out and then get out of here. I cast you and your whole household out. Get out. You are no longer my advisor. Yitro had to go into exile. He became a priest in Midian. And then he was like, yeah, I'm not really down with this Midian priest stuff. And then they kicked him out. And now he's out in the wilderness, out in Midian wilderness near Sinai. And uh, Moshe shows up one day because Yitro has a bunch of daughters and his daughters had to become shepherds because Yitro was like, I'm out in the wilderness and all I got to my, my livestock. I'm Abraham in this, this thing. And so I don't have any son. So my daughter's got to help me. So they're out doing shepherd's work. And then the shepherds around them start attacking the daughters. Moshe shows up one day and says, hey, what you doing to these girls? Get out of here before I make, you know, dust of you like I did to that guy in Egypt. Anyway, he, he didn't say that. But again, Sherman Man Midrash, just kind of reading into the situation. But uh, yeah, he shows up, takes care of them. Zipporah comes back, Dad or Abba, uh, some some Jewish guy or no, they didn't even call him Jew. They said some Egyptian guy saved us. So we're home early today. And here's what we got. He's like, what Egyptian guy? Where he at? You know, it was Moshe. He takes Moshe, throws him in the prison. It's like there, I'll teach you a lesson. But Zipporah took pity on him and she fed him, uh, kept him alive. Yitro's like, how come this guy isn't dead? And Zipporah's like, I don't know. Then all of a sudden, Moshe gets out and then he walks into Yitro's garden where there's this sapphire staff, which happened to be a branch of the tree of life. In the garden, Moshe sees that staff and the staff leaps out of the ground and jumps into his hands. Yitro comes out and was like, what in the world? You're the only person who's been able to get that staff out of the ground. Moshe's just, hold I didn't just, and Yitro's like, before you even finish what you got to say, you get to marry my daughter because that's the stipulation. So here's your wife. All right, y'all go be together. It's like, but you just hated me like five, son. And it's like, oh, so now I'm your son. I, I previously was someone you wanted to cast out. But I digress. So anyway, I'm giving you a whole bunch of background information about this, but you can find this Legends of the Jews, Midrash says, uh, Midrash Shabbat, and all that kind of stuff. And so Yitro, it was cast out. He was he gave up everything, and he ended up just being out in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, Hashem sends him the Redeemer, and then he gets to be the father-in-law of the Redeemer who brings the people out of Egypt. And again, Rabbi Griffin, Captain Yisrael, brings down 
that Mashiach is a type and shadow of Mashiach ben David. Yosef was a type and shadow of Mashiach ben Yosef. He came into Egypt and started gathering in the nations. And then Mashiach ben David, a.k.a. Moshe, shows up and brings the people out into the final redemption. Or what should have been the final redemption, but we decided to dance around the golden calf and kind of like not listen to God and stuff. And so that didn't work. And then Moshe struck the rock in the wilderness and then he didn't get to go into the promised land. So that didn't work either. And so it just kind of all fell apart, which is why Mashiach is our final hope and which is why he is the only hope. And that's why he will accomplish it. And we have to believe that. But anyway, so Yitro and the rich young man have a lot in common, except Yitro, though he was grieved, he actually went away and did it. We don't know the outcome of this rich young man here in this story, whether he sold his stuff or not. But I imagine part of the process of going away to sell your stuff and giving to the poor and then getting treasure in heaven and then coming to follow Mashiach, it involves you grieving some things. In Judaism, we call it uh, your last meal kind of thing, that your your last non-kosher meal is kind of the sad one where you like, I'm eating kosher now. I will no longer be able to eat this. So it's like your final cheeseburger. For me, it was my final. Um, I can't even remember it now. Uh, what did I call those things? Calamari. I had my final calamari. And as I was eating it the whole time, I was like, surely there's fins or scales or something on this thing. And it's like they don't have scales and they don't have fins. And besides, they don't have both at the same time. And I'm like, I know. I mean, I don't want to know, but I know. And I got to eat kosher now. And I'm just, I don't even know what the bracha is for this. So I'm not even going to see a bracha for it because you can't bless something that's not kosher. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, just crying. This is the, the, the wettest meal of my entire life. <laughs> Next to the Pesach meal where you have to eat the maror and you just tear up already. You're just like, oh my God, this is crazy. But anyway, so you have that grieving process that you have to go through and that's healthy. Because you're not being real if you don't. If you just be like, yeah, I cut everything off, Lord. I got you. That's called a fire flame supernova overnight Jew. That's only going to last for six months. Maybe. This has happened to so many people. They come to Sar Shalom. They come into Lapid. They're like, oh, my gosh. Shabbat was amazing. Did you read the Torah portion this week? Oh my gosh. I just got my first set of ZZ. It's ridiculous. I wrapped a feeling 18 times today. It's like today is a Shabbat. You shouldn't be wrapping to feeling at all. Well, okay. I just wanted to make sure I wrapped in case I forgot. It's like, okay. So I want you to stop what you're doing, return to Yeshua, and start from there. And then I want you to, as you're starting from there, slow it down one step at a time. If I catch you running, I will trip you and I will make sure that you're not running. OK, well, I won't trip you, but you'll trip yourself. But I'll do something that tells you, hey, don't run. I'll be like a lifeguard at the pool. Tweet. No running, you know, and uh, football. Tweet. Holding, you know, basketball. Tweet. Foul, you know. Some you get official like a whistle in here. But anyway, these types of things happen. So let your grieving process be momentum for you because you need to slowly do this thing like a giant airplane taking off from an airport. You build up speed before you lift off. You don't take off like a jet from a, a, a ocean liner. Like slow it down. Okay. You got 20 years to work your way into this thing. Okay, go back to my Vayaki and my Shemot C class. You know, you can see all these different things. Vayaki Go and Shemot C class. Go back to those podcasts and you'll learn about the different steps in the process of how to enter into your observance and the different standards that have been set. Anyway. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? This is what happened in the wilderness. Hashem was like, I got y'all guys. The only reason you fought a Melech is because you doubted. And your doubt took on the form of human beings. So 
Did we all know, by the way, that the very things that we think about and the very concerns we have do manifest in our life as people who bother us and who irritate us and who go to war against us and who cause all kinds of problems and distractions in our lives? Sometimes it's our own family members. Sometimes it's our own household. But they're all reflections and they're all manifestations of inner turmoil that's going on inside of us. So here's a plan. Let's get rid of that inner turmoil Focus on Hashem and cause the manifestation of those things to come forth. That's got to happen. But anyway, I digress because Hashem was like, whatever I got, you have access to. You just need to ask. You just need to be obedient. You just need to love me. And I'm not going to force you to love me because if you force somebody to love you, that's called abuse. So Hashem is not like that. Next thing, Zohar Shemot Mishpatim 384 says, The staff given to you will be a tree of life, denoting Vav, which is the son of Yod Hey. So the tree of life, the letter Vav, and the son of God are all one. Remember, the tree of life is the Torah. So the staff that Moshe carried, the staff that was planted in Yitro's garden, was the Torah was Mashiach, who is the Vav, who is the Son of God. Zohar, Shemot, Mishpatim, 384. Six. So I was supposed to read from the Jewish Wisdom of the Numbers and read from Sefer Otiot, which is the book of letters about the letter Vav. But you just need to know Vav represents man. Six represents the sixth day, the uh, day that creation of man was brought forth. Uh, this is the day called prep day. So on the sixth day of the week, which is commonly called Friday in today's Greek Roman society, uh, that it is uh, that's the sixth day of the week. That's called prep day. Many people go TGIF or happy Friday or like happy last work day of the week. But we should be actually saying happy prep day because we're prepping to enter into the Shabbat. This is the day that double portions of manna rain down for us. So when you think about this staff, the staff is a double portion. I'm going to read this from G. Shekel. Uh, oh, before I finish, uh, let me go to this next point. The Vav was added to Yitro's name when he converted because his name used to be called Yeter. And by the way, he's no longer supposed to be called Yeter the same way we no longer call Avraham Avram because... Uh, there was a distinct change that these people are no longer the people that they used to be. These literally are new people, new creations. So Avram could not have children. So therefore Jews would not exist if his name was never Avraham. Yitro would never give forth, you know, beautiful insights to the Torah, like stuff like Sanhedrin and Shoftim. He would have never gave that input into the Torah if he didn't become Yitro, if he remained Yeter, none of that would have happened. So just think about that for a second with the name changes. And remember what the Vav does. It turns a past tense into a future tense. So Yitro used to be Yeter. Yeter was all about adding and addition. So now when you have Yitro, it means added and will be added. So like Yitro added to the Torah which not really is adding because the Torah existed before we get it in this Torah portion. So all this information was there. It's just now it's being brought forth to light. So the, the new Torah, the deeper insights and deeper wisdom and all that, that all came through the Vav. And again, Vav meaning six, six is representative of the oral Torah because there are six categories of the oral Torah. It's called the Shas or the six orders of the Mishnah. So and all these tractates like Sanhedrin, Yoma, Nezakin, all those different things, Sukkah, Barakot, all those are subcategories of the six categories of the one category called Oral Torah. So Yitro is the embodiment of the Oral Torah and all of that. So let's go to G Shekel. He says, H. Oh, and while we're thinking about that, Yitro and being an embodiment of the oral Torah, it's added to his name. It's infused into who he is, makes him a new creation. Same thing with us, because just like Yitro, we're all converts. Um, whether we were born Jew or reborn Jew, 
We're all converts and that all happens through the oral Torah because the whole conversion tradition comes through the oral Torah. The only way to convert, you have to find you have to read the oral Torah to figure that out. So the written Torah talks about what we did at the mountain, but it doesn't really talk about the aspects of that as a conversion and what that looks like. So anyway, embodying the oral Torah is what a convert is, which is why when we convert and we read the Midrash, we read Jewish literature, we really walk by spirit, not by sight, you know, walk by faith, not by sight, walk by spirit, not by sight, same thing. Um, obviously different aspects of the same thing because the same thing being relationship with the Shem and stuff. But uh, yeah, all of those things work out and things like that. So G Shekel brings down a true returning to God, i.e. Teshuva, which is repentance is the most fundamental concept in order to receive the kingdom of heaven. Our sages say that reciting the Shema in the book of Deuteronomy, which is Devarim, equals accepting the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Mashiach, when he says the greatest commandment is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your resources. He was reciting the Shema, which means the greatest commandment is to accept the kingdom of heaven. I.e. make Teshuva. If you make Teshuva, that's that's what you got to focus on. Because when you're a person of Teshuva, you don't have preconceived conditions and notions that have to be met. You don't make stuff up. You don't tell God what his will is. You make his will your will. Anyway, therefore, we find that Yitro received a name which in Gematria stands for the Torah. Ha Torah. As in the verse, this is. Ha Torah that Moshe set before the sons of Israel. So Yitro is 400, 600, uh, 610, 616. Ha Torah. Ha Torah. Here we go. I'm going to get my calculator out. Hang on. Doing Gematria on the fly. Stand by. Ha Torah. So Yitro 616. Okay. Torah 611. Add the hey. Ha Torah 616. So the Torah and Yitro have the same gematria. And again, remember I said the convert embodies the oral Torah, which is represented in Yitro getting the Vav added to his name, which made him a convert because he converted to Judaism. So for those who are not converting to Judaism, Selah. Think about that for a moment, because you you don't embody the will of God. You don't embody the spirit of God. You don't embody the mind of God. Hmm. Okay. I'm just because some people think, oh, I can love God all day, but I don't have to worry about the Torah. I don't have to worry about the Mishnah. I don't have to worry about all that Midrash stuff, all that Hebrew stuff. It's like, ugh. You're going to have a big problem with Deuteronomy 4, verse 44. Okay, and it says the pagan priest, because that's what Yitro used to be. A pagan priest was elevated to the level of Torah. For certainly the instruction he gave to Moshe became Torah. This is why I said he didn't really add to Torah, but he was just revealing it because the whole thing about setting up the Sanhedrin, that came from Yitro. Midrash Tehillim brings down the same thing that these converts, boy, we turn some stuff up, man. We become masters of Mishnah, masters of Halakha and all sorts of stuff. And people who weren't converts and been doing this for a long time, i.e. the sons that were always with the father and never became prodigal sons, they get upset about it. They're like, y'all, y'all been outside eating all sorts of stuff. Who knows? Like doing all this inhumane stuff, you know, like people who were married before they were sleeping with their wives on Nida. Like they didn't even know what Nida was. And now they're going to come in and, and convert and, and make Shuva and start observing Nida and like separating when they need to separate and come back to when they like, what, what do you mean? That person is the embodiment of the Torah. Get out of here. It's like, sorry, you're going to have to deal with that Gematria and you're going to have to deal with Deuteronomy 444. You're also going to have to deal with Parsha Yitro. 
says Yitro's name was changed and his name Yeter from Shemot 418 received a Vav and the Holy One or Slika. The Vav from Yitro came from the the Holy One, blessed be he, the Yod and Hey and Vav and Hey. Hashem gave Yitro a Vav from his holy divine name. The name, the Tetragrammaton, the name Hashem, the name we pronounce is Adonai. Yeah. That's where Yitro got his Vav. He got it from the name of Hashem, which means the Vav is the Son of God. So when we take on the Son of God, we're taking a letter from the name of Hashem. But notice when we took a letter from the name of Hashem, Hashem's name still remained whole. Why? Because Hashem is a consuming fire. And when you take fire from fire to make a new fire, like you light a new candle with that previous fire, uh, transfer as we call it. So it's not really anything new. It's just on a new vessel that uh, the fire is not diminished. So the house of Yaakov's the fire and Yosef's the flame. Get you some of that, Obadiah. Anyway, that's from Obadiah, literally. Okay, so, and just as Abraham is always known as Abraham and not Avram, Yitro is always known as Yitro and not Yeter. Yitro and HaTorah have the same gematria. Convert slash powerful like Yitro instituted in the system of Shof team. The Parsha is called by a name of a convert features the giving of the Torah. And that is this Parsha. One of the things I wanted to share from Midrash Rabbah Naso 1315 says another interpretation of filled with incense alluded. It is alluded to. It is to allude that between each mitzvah, each of the commandments, of the Ten Commandments, there were written on the tablets all the passages and details of the Torah. This is in accordance with that which Hananiah, the son of Rabbi Yehoshua's brother, said. When scripture states his arms or hands are like rods of gold, Song of Songs, which is Shira Shireen 514, these are an allusion to the two tablets of the covenant which were the work of God's hands, as it is written of them, inscribed by the finger of God, Shemot 31, 18. The verse refers to them as rods of gold, which may be interpreted as waves of gold. For just as the waves are multiple small waves between one large wave and another large wave, so too between each commandment of the Ten Commandments were written all the passages and details of the Torah. So, yeah, uh, there's there's that, that the Torah was all that. Uh, Romans 10, 19. But I say, deny Israel, not understand. First, Moshe says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. With a nation empty of understanding, I will vex you. Shaul is quoting Devarim 32, 21. And going on to verse 20 and 21, he says, And Yeshayahu is so bold to say, The Uvale Zion, a redeemer shall come to Zion, which comes from Yeshayahu 65.1 and from Yeshayahu 65.2, which says, I was found by those who did not seek me and became visible to those who did not ask for me. But about Israel, he says, all day long, I stretch forth my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Into chapter 11, where the Uvalezion comes out, finally, it says, For I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own eyes that a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer shall come out of Zion. He shall turn away ungodliness from Yaakov, i.e. those who repent of willful sins. Rabbi GQ says, we are all converts. Rabbi Greenbaum, who is currently in Yerushalayim teaching, he says, it is fitting that the parasha which tells of the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai is named after Yitro, Moshe's father-in-law, a convert. Indeed, all those who witnessed the giving of the Torah were converts. Uh... And when we are willing to accept and follow the Torah, it actu- 
as it actually is, fulfilling Naseva Nishma, Shemot 24-7, then we can come to understand how the Torah lifts us out of our slavery to this worldliness with its many false gods, that we can hear the voice of redemption that calls to us every day. I am Hashem, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slaves, Shemot 20, verse 2. Notice Hashem doesn't say, I'm the God who split the Yom Suf. I am the God who killed the firstborn. But he says, I'm the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Because it's more important for our names to be written in the book of life than for all these miracles and wonders to happen for us. It says, uh, Ruth was a Moabitess who was the great-grandmother of King David, who ultimately uh, gives birth to Melech Hamashiach. So, Converts, converts, converts. We're all converts. And converts have this amazing uh, contribution to Hashem. And the completion of the redemption happens with the converts. Legends of the Jews on the giving of the Torah. It says, it was not indeed quite of their own free will that Yisrael declared themselves ready to accept the Torah. For when the whole nation in two divisions, which was men and women, approached Sinai. So when we're sitting at our shul with a men's side and a women's side, it's like we're sitting before Sinai. God lifted up this mountain and held it over the heads of the people like a basket, saying to them, if you accept the Torah, it is well. Otherwise, you will find your grave under this mountain. They all burst into tears and poured out their heart and contrition before God and, and then said, all that Hashem has said, we will do and be obedient, which is the Nasevinishma. So when you think about Nasevinishma, in order for it to be true, Nasevinishma, it's because we are tearful, we're broken, we're contrite, i.e. The, the sacrifices that God will not reject, a broken and contrite heart. That's how you say Nasevinishma. Finishing up with saying, hardly that they uttered these words of submission to God when 120 myriads of angels descended, provided every Israelite with a crown and girdle of glory, divine gifts with which they did not lose until they worshiped the golden calf. When the angels came and took the gifts away from them at that same time with these crowns and girdles of glory i.e. garments of glory. We were clothed in the splendor of Hashem's glory, just like Memtet is. It says, a heavenly radiance was shed over their faces. Our faces all glowed like Moshe's. But this also they later lost through their sins. Only Moshe retained it, whose face shone so brightly that even if today we were to crack uh, his tomb, crack an open in his tomb, the light emanating from his corpse would be so powerful that it could but destroy all the world. There was a part in here that was talking about uh, the the dead were resurrected and brought up and uh, all the creation was quiet and all of that kind of stuff. Um, that all happened on the day the Torah was given. So don't see that in front of me, but I want to point out that you know, all generations, all dimensions, all time and space was unified in the giving of the Torah. And so Baruch Hashem. The last thing I want to share is from Rabbi Trugman, who brought this down. Uh, he was talking about the giving of the Torah. Says... Uh, mm, Where is it at? The 10 statements. Okay, I thought I took a picture of it. Oh, the fact that man, the Torah, and the divine Sephiroth are all compared to a tree reminds us of the statement in the Zohar, three bonds are bonded together, Israel to the Torah, and Torah to God that teaches us that Israel, the Torah, and God are one and essentially bound together. And then it brought up the numerical value. Yeah, the verse introducing the Ten Commandments, Shemot 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these things, saying, consists of 28 letters and seven words, the exact number of letters and words. 
in the Torah's first verse, which is Bereshit, uh, which is the in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This correspondence beautifully supports the no, this notion that the giving of the Torah represents the fulfillment of creation. Amen, which means bringing in the converts will be the fulfillment of creation. Conversion. Harakaman hu yezakenu limot hamashiach ulchaye haolam haba baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah temet, vekaye olam natabetokeinu. Baruch atah Adonai, noten ha Torah. Amen.